0: Welcome, everybody. You
1: are listening to a podcast. In case you don't know what a podcast is, you have discovered it.
0: You have, and somehow you're listening to it on your mobile device or or your laptop. Yeah, they. Some
1: people may even be using a desktop.
0: That's true. They might. Dude, I have to
1: say the laptop is a great invention.
0: It is a great invention, but this is what we do every week. We got to get back. We are the word. the, the The podcast that you happen to be listening to is called The Word on the Hill. And I am Father Peter Musset, and I am Scott Powell, also and known as Lanky Two, well, the Lanky Guys. I meant us collectively. Oh, <laughs> collectively—that was that was grammatically unclear. Yeah, it was You're right. Yeah,
1: you know, hey, we take grammar seriously here. We do. I've been thinking about grammar <laughs> a lot in the last twelve hours, which is funny because it, when I think about grammar school, really, I did
0: not get a whole lot of it. You didn't. You didn't I, learn how to s- diagram sentences and things.
1: Well, I mean, I, I'm not a positive. Uh, if i did. <laughs> uh what? positives.
0: Oh wow. See look at look at you. That's dude.
1: deep man. Yeah man, i got a book called Syntax is Style by um Virginia Tuft. Just for fun. Yeah, it's actually really cool. It takes like all of these <laughs> sentences, like this these styles of sentences no. and then like gets quotes I'm, from, I'm with you
0: I'm with you so far. It sounds awesome. from
1: great literature and then you read it and you're like, dude, this is awesome. What a What a a great syntactical structure (laughs) did they got going on this one? Yeah. So I was talking to somebody the other day. Okay. Yep. And uh, they were like, "You know what you're like on the Lanky Guys," and I was like, "What?" And they were specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And they were like, "Have you ever heard of the game Wiki
0: Wars?" I just heard about this. Do you know? I just heard of the game. And my Uh first thought, you know what it was? What? Father Peter would love that. It's my totally new favorite game. Had you heard about it before? No, I just learned about it last Monday. And uh, and
1: amazing. If you guys don't know what Wiki Wars is, which I'm sure you don't, it's kind of like well, maybe you do. This, maybe this is big. I don't know. I don't know either. It's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. Um, okay, whatever. If you know that game, wonderful. But Wiki Wars is essentially you have two people or more. It depends yeah. on how many people or how, computers. How many computational devices you have? <laughs> and given that the the, uh, the proliferation of the smartphone. You probably have quite a few.
0: It's a lot of big words right there. Somebody
1: chooses an opening article, yeah, and everybody gets on that same page on on Mm Wikipedia.org, and then somebody chooses a finished article, Mm -hmm. and then it's a race through the links
0: in Wikipedia to get there. Who can get there first, just through internal links? Dude, it's the best. Have you played? I've never actually played it. I just heard about it. Oh my gosh, Scott, it's the best. Kenan told me about it, of all people. Kenan was the one who told me, too. And he, oh, because he told- I told him. My first response was, Father Peter would love this. Well, And he told me that um, the beginning
1: of Lanky Guys is a lot like that game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how we got here. Yeah. Oh. yeah exactly. Well, you know what?
0: There's worse things. <laughs> there are that. worse
1: things. I mean, we know a lot about a little. so And a little about a lot word to your mama. That's a nice rhetorical device that you just thank you made use of. Thank you.
0: You got shout outs today?
1: <clears throat> I, I, uh, I do. I do as well. Oh neat. Um uh he, actually you
0: start with yours. <laughs> oh geez. Um well okay. I have a mixture of shout outs and questions. So uh, our first is a question from a listener in Los Angeles. Okay. So young, our good friend who actually oh, just so recently young. moved to LA Yes, and became a lector. Yes, she just became a lector, which is where this question actually... Ar- arised. Erased? Arised. Has arisen. Arose. Arose. The question arose. Arose. Right? Yeah, yeah. Arose Past by things. any other name is just Still not arose. the same. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she was doing the reading last week, and we were talking in the podcast about Joseph. And she was saying, we said that the the Joseph, well, he was saying her, her, her priest, her pastor, mentioned in the homily that Joseph was a country north of Zion. And we said at some point that Joseph was actually a person, one of the sons of Israel. Yeah. And so she said, well, which one is correct? Oh. And the answer is, they're both correct. Joseph was the name of the son who would become the head of the tribe, which would grow and actually become a nation, which was named after him. Oh. So when the first reading last week refers to, you remember, it was like you haven't mourned over Joseph.
1: Yeah, yet. you're not you're not busted up over the destruction of Joseph. Of Joseph, yeah.
0: yeah. In that sense, it's referring to the nation. It's referring to the group of people who happen to be named after a person. Like, America is named after Amerigo Vespucci, but we are Americans. That's the idea. So both are, are correct. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Okay, so no confusion there. A um, couple of shout-outs. I want to give a shout-out, first of all, to Kelly Weekland, who um, just recently moved to Chicago from Boulder. Mm. Which, um, watch out for the winners, I can tell you that much. Man, It ain't Boulder. It ain't. (laughs) So watch out for the winner, Kelly. But uh, she also wanted me to give a shout-out to Avery for her. So, Avery, here is your official on-air shout-out from Kelly Weekland. And she wanted us to note that she also loves the Moses Coffee Joke. We actually got a slew of emails this week, some of whom were talking about how awful the Moses Coffee Joke is and some of whom are talking about how much they love the moses coffee joke we actually haven't told the moses coffee joke in a number of weeks but yeah uh, yeah and you uh, love it or you hate it there was one i got an email
1: or i saw something maybe it was a facebook yeah comment. chad
0: lucero please know more of the hebrews it jokes it's turning more corny and less lanky <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, yes so are we, we're we corn-fed lanky guys? Is that what I'm hearing? At the moment, oh, I apparently.
0: Guess. I guess we're turning everybody into corn-fed lanky guys.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, one more shout-out for this week. Um, it's from uh, Paul Aguia, who is from Decatur, Illinois, and he is a truck driver. So he spends his time uh, in his big rig um, listening to podcasts, Holy Unblack Metal, which I'm assuming you know what that is. Uh, um, no. Okay. <laughs> I do not know what it is. Holy on black metal and praying for 14 hours a day, which is awesome. And he loves the link, you guys. He listens to us all the time. And he says, uh, what did he say? I think he said something like, we're the best one ever or something like that. Dude, that's awesome. He gets to live like the
1: Benedictine ideal, aura and labora. I mean, like. Sort of. He prays and, and works. Oh,
0: totally. In in like a hermitage called his. In a little hermitage. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. As but he, he had a question for us. Oh. Two questions. So first of all, to Father Peter, he wanted to know what your favorite book is, or if that's too difficult, who's your favorite author? So I decided to put you on the spot. Today. Oh
1: my goodness, dude. That's Favorite
0: a... book or favorite author? Favorite book or favorite. Out with it.
1: Oh man, well, dude, this is hard. It's like somebody asks you what's your favorite movie and you're like, well, what genre are we talking about? Like, you got to do the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. That's the, why I put you on the spot. The, fir- the first thing that came to my head and I bought a, like, a whole box of them to give to people is um, John Turby, The
0: Anatomy of Story. Was that the first thing that came to your head or just the first thing you saw? No, no. It was the first okay. thing. Okay. <laughs> it was just right. It's on top of my book pile. Which actually is a good proof that it is your favorite book. Okay. Yeah, I, and, and
1: I bought. I mean, this is the thing. This is What defines it for me is I bought a whole box of them. Mm-hmm. So, like, I bought, yeah. like, 25 copies. It's a great book. You gave me one. And just gave, and I give it to everybody because it helps your ability to consume media and understand stories and things like
0: Scripture. Anatomy of a Story. It's a very good book. And he, asked, he actually asked the same question from me. And what's your favorite book? Well, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it until I just <laughs>
1: – <laughs> So you put yourself on the spot?
0: I, yeah, I kind of did. I, I mean, I want what I really want to do is, is think of some great work of literature because I do really like literature. I love Russian literature. I love Dostoevsky. Yes. Um, I love Dostoevsky's The Idiot, which is his lesser known masterpiece. That make, Everyone make, thinks makes of the Brothers Karamazov. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I also really like the author Michael O'Brien. Oh, I really dig Michael O'Brien. He's got a, Father Elijah, Sophia House, is Cry a of freaking Stone, amazing
1: book. Island of the World. Yeah, man. Dude, Michael Island O'Brien Island of the World
0: is tough to read though. Heads up.
1: It is. It's um, brutal. Eclipse of, Sun, Eclipse of the Sun, Plague Journal. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is Michael O'Brien as an author, I would say I, I choose him literary wise. Um, yeah. th- theological, dude. I love N. T. Wright. I oh yeah. I mean, if we're talking theology uh-huh.
0: stuff, yeah, totally. And Dick Hayes, yeah, Richard Hayes. Um, I also like the book The Stand, which isn't in any of those categories. Stephen King's The Sand is it, a very good book. It's very Boulder. I know this is the, Boulder is like the mecca that they all have to get to. This is where. <laughs> so- so, so this is our own kind of version of the
1: stand right here—the <laughs> uh, word on the hill with lanky guys—and which we're about to get into. Here we go. So,
0: yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. I-, I love that we have more and more oh, And We and, also,
1: oh, and John Cop. I want to, yeah, he's a he's a prisoner here, and nice. he he was like, "Hey, I'm looking to get into the scriptures," and I was like, "Man, you should listen to the podcast." Yeah, and he he gave us uh, as he was reading. He said, "Double awesome." As really? he as he was listening to the podcast he's, kidding he me. said double awesome. We got awesome. a double awesome. Yeah, yeah.
0: We also got uh, a message from Don Baselli, who I'm told usually skips over the first 15 minutes, but he said this week was really funny. And and Check I want to let people know that we're at about 17
1: to 1900 downloads a week, just in case you guys are wondering what kind of community is uh, yep. is is going on. Um, right now we average just about 2000 downloads a week. It's
0: really fun. That's so a, you guys are out there somewhere. Yeah. You, and we love hearing, we love getting emails and stuff, hearing about where you are, where you listen to us, what you're up to. It's and, really fun. Yep. So our first reading today. Okay. So first reading is from Second Kings. Second Kings. Chapter 5. 1st 14 to 17. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, our sponsorial psalm is Psalm 98, 1, 2, and 3, and 3, and 4. 1, is, 2, 3, 3, 4. That's like how you count off uh, for like a one, band. 1, 2, one two, two three, three four, <laughs> and then we uh, we're still in Second Timothy, uh, chapter two, verse eight through thirteen, and finally. Hi Tim, hey Tim, bye buddy. Good luck finding your dad, <laughs> <laughs>
1: dude. That's the Norwaler to the... this. Yeah, Norwal.
0: Thanks, Mr. Norwal. Thanks it's from the movie Elf, it's dude, Elf, I which love... I
1: just watched the other day with my kids. That's a really good it's one. The best, it man. makes me want to eat spaghetti with M
0: and M's and syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my kids too. Uh, and then finally, we have Luke chapter 17, <laughs> verse 11 through 19. I just got the, the, the diss on that.
1: Thank you for that. I really
0: appreciate No, that. no, that wasn't meant to be a diss. It was a more, my kids tried to do it, oh, <laughs> and, and I had to deal with it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, sorry, that's it. They didn't like it, though, thankfully.
1: Okay. That was Luke seventeen, eleven to 19. did I say that? Did I not say that? You did. It say was that, but scattered, though. Yeah, it got mixed in with the syrup and oh, ah, No if uh if this guy comes up to you and he says hey can you like take this package across the street you know what you say nah man nah man
0: <laughs> <laughs> i knew it uh, namaste namaste um, <laughs> <laughs> you want to go out with me on friday night namaste uh sorry we we have father peter's Anyway, if you know it, you know it. If you don't, you don't. We and we're sorry that we subjected. If you it. know it, we're sorry for that too. Yes, exactly. Um, so there's a story. So we're, okay, first reading. We're in Second Kings. Second Kings. Can so, you can you orient me on the Second Kings? Because
1: this is the, this just the, about to.
0: This is the period of Kings. Because oh man, Jerusalem, which is
1: the worst. Yeah, they, they, there was a big problem in Jerusalem, and they were saying, "Hey, we want a king like everybody else." And the Lord is like, "What? <laughs> Come that on." That was back in Joshua, though. Yeah, but, 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 yeah. Then it, but then this leads into the king's period. Yeah, it's true.
0: Well, well, I'm, I'm just checking to see if that's actually no, where we are. You're totally right. Okay. But the king's period is very, very long. 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 But we're – so, okay, quick <laughs> – well, because you brought it up, quick recap on that. So there's this understanding – every, everybody who knows this stuff um, – there's this moment when the people of Israel ask for a king. They say, we want a king like the other nations have. And God, and uh, I think it's uh, it's Samuel at the time, isn't it? Isn't he the prophet that God's Shoot, speaking to? I think I it's can't. Samuel. Probably. Maybe it's Joshua. No, it can't be Samuel.
1: Well, I mean, it's maybe it's in the book of Joshua, so it would make some logical sense. Literally. Anyway.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Is but the, the point
1: is... Um.
0: the point is that oh, basically me.
1: Well, no, this is the thing is that it said the point is the fact that he says, if you want a nation, he's going to treat you like a king and he's going to take all your stuff and he's going to take a tenth
0: of everything yeah. and it's going to be horrible. Yeah. I mean, the idea was, though, that, that. So, I mean, some people read that, though, and think, well, Israel was never supposed to have a king. You know, they're, they're not to have a king. They're to have God as their king. And that's true to a degree. But way back in the book of Deuteronomy, long before this ever happened, they actually got a list in Deuteronomy 17 of the instructions of what the king is supposed to be like, at which point in history they have a king. So the idea is God always intended them to have a king. Oh. The problem is when they ask – I think it's in the book of Joshua – they say, we want a king like the other nations. So it was fine for them to have a king. God was going to raise that up. That was sort of the plan. The key was what kind of a king that they wanted and what kind of a king God wanted for them. And so, what, like you said, when they say we want a king like the other nations, the quick warning is, well, wait a second. What the other nations have is a king who's going to you know, take your men to war and steal your women and overtax you and do all these terrible things and be corrupt, da-da-da-da-da. That's what they got. They didn't get necessarily the king like God wanted them to have. They got a king like everybody else. And that's why... The period that we're in is is super hard to deal with. So you have the kings, and there was remember, so it started with Saul, and then you had David, and then you had Solomon. And it kind of goes from there, um, and eventually we've talked about this before. There was a big civil war in the kingdom. It was actually just after Solomon. It was Solomon's son was responsible for the civil war, and the kingdom split into northern ten, ten, ten tribes, ten and two. Yeah, ten and two. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so is, northern ten. They, it was a driving force ten in, in history. Yep. Ten, oh, that's good. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Father Peter's been full of puns all morning. Oh, baby. <laughs> I'm on it. So they split. Big civil war. Kingdom of the North, which is called Israel by for shorthand. They're the 10 tribes of the North. They found their own kingdom. They eventually, it gets pretty bad. They start their own temple. They they ordain their own priests. They which ones own we were talking about kingdom. in Amos. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Down south, it's not that much better, though. They still have the temple. They're still sort of worshiping the one true God, but... The kings are kind of hit or miss. There's some corrupt ones. There's some decent ones. They're falling into idolatry. It's really bad. So once you get to the books of first and second kings, it's really hard to deal with because it literally bounces back and forth between, okay, here's what's going on in the north. Okay, here's what's going on in the south. Okay, here's what the king is doing up in the north. Okay, here's what the king down in the south is doing. And there's all these names, and a lot of them are family names, and sometimes the name of the king up north happens to be the same name as the king down south, and it's super confusing. So it really is hard to orient yourself in here. Yeah. So, we're orienting ourselves right now by the prophet Elijah. So remember the prophet Elijah? He was one of the most famous prophets. Didn't he didn't he wear camel's hair and eat locusts and yeah. honey? Yeah, he's he's John's prototype. So when John the Baptist is out there, he's he didn't actually eat bugs, I don't think. Did he? I don't John know. John did. John did, but I don't know if Elijah did. I don't know. I don't think John just did it
1: to like point towards Revelation when they had those weird bugs with like the dragon heads and like <laughs> right. talons towns and Sting you for nine Revelation months. Revelation wasn't stuff.
0: written yet. Funny Peter. I know it's just prefigurement. Oh wow, you blew my mind. Ha, ah, ah. <laughs> so, so if you remember Elijah, a lot of people are familiar with Elijah. Elijah has and Elijah is up in the north. So we've been talking about the prophets, right? Amos yeah. and Habakkuk. So Amos, er, uh, Elijah is up in the north, and Elijah really sees himself as kind of the last righteous person up here. Every everything's going to pot. Everything's crazy. Everyone's corrupt and sinful. Yeah. And Elijah alone is like the lone voice crying out. Yeah, which we get stories that confirm that. Exactly. Well, they kind of do because at one point he works all these miracles. He disproves all the other gods and still nobody believes him. Nobody buys it and he still feels alone. So he actually goes out into the wilderness and he kind of cries out to God. And he says, why are you doing this? Why am I alone? I'm, I'm faithful. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do.
1: Yeah.
0: What the heck? And God actually reveals to him that there's actually a couple thousand more out there. There is a remnant. He's not alone. There are faithful ones. They're kind of hiding. They're kind of tucked in the bushes, but there are more. And what's more, God says, I'm going to give you a companion to actually go with you. You'll have a disciple, so you're not going to be alone. You actually have a companion here. And that's a guy named Elisha.
1: Companions on the journey.
0: Yeah, dude. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Alicia, which is which his name is spelled so funny that whenever you try to read Elijah and Alicia, it just jacks you up.
0: Well, you know, it's because it's not pronounced Elijah, that's not actually what his name is. Oh, so in reality, his name is Elisha. Elisha, Elisha. Now, the reason we don't pronounce it that way is because people started reading this at mass and talking about Elijah and Elisha. And nobody could tell the difference. So because the scriptures were more proclaimed than they were read in yeah. the early church, they actually changed the pronunciation to Elisha just to stress the I in a different way. So it didn't sound just like Elijah. Oh. But technically, it's in Hebrew, it's actually Elisha. Elisha, Elisha. and Elijah. Yeah, it's confusing. Dude. Sh- Super confusing. So. Come on. Come on, everybody. <laughs> so, so here we are. And eventually, there comes a point where, and this is this is key to the story of Jesus and John the Baptist, where because John the Baptist is kind of a new Elijah. Jesus says this, which is, I mean, he's just totally
1: fulfilling the type. I yeah, mean, exactly. And, and the prophecy was that Elijah was going to come first before yeah, the Messiah comes. Before the up, Messiah, so. that's in Malachi, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah so um, where we are now in the story in Second Kings, so Elijah has now actually. Basically, been assumed into heaven. We don't use that language. We reserve that for Mary, right? But essentially, he was carried off on a on a fiery chariot, fiery chariot off to heaven, and everyone's like, "Oh, there we go." Which, which
1: was he? He he turns to Alicia and he's like, "Hey, if this
0: happens, then it's on. <laughs> yeah, then you're in. Yeah, you're and, the one." And then he's like, "Whoa, I there he goes." Yeah, yeah it's great. Well, it's so funny though. It happens at the Jordan River. So it's this moment. You know, if John the Baptist is kind of a if Elijah was a was a prototype of John the Baptist. And that means Elisha is kind of a prototype of Jesus. Elijah did these huge miracles, and then Mm. Elisha did double that. And so Elisha would then go on to multiply loaves of bread, raise people from the dead, clear lepers and all this stuff. But he receives the spirit to do all that at the Jordan River from Elijah. Mm. And so if you have that background, then all of a sudden in the New Testament, when you see Jesus and John the Baptist, who's acting like Elijah, at the Jordan River, and then Jesus gets the spirit descending upon him, He's going to go on from there, what? To multiply loaves of fishes, raise people from the dead, cure lepers, et cetera, et cetera. So he's taken the whole story and just kind of exploded it.
1: Whoa. It's cool. Yeah, like it's a,
0: it's, it it inverts, it like returns. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. Dude,
1: that's awesome. I was, I was talking to a Buddhist priest um, not too long ago and, and uh, we were taught, he brought up reincarnation. Mm. And I was like, well, I said, the only kind of analog that we've got going to, uh, your concept of of reincarnation is really this notion of of the spirit of somebody oh, sure. coming coming back hmm. and i said so so it's it's not like we believe that somebody is like incarnated again and like their soul happens to take new form and body but yeah. in fact it actually just it's the return in in like a shared spirit it's like man you remind me of my uncle jim with all his insane <laughs> works like and you know <laughs> i love your uncle jim <laughs> and me too and so i don't have an uncle jim but um uh But that's that, and he was like, "He's like, actually, that's what we believe." Yeah, he says, "But we just talk really? about it." Yeah, but we just talk about it in, in some ways so that those who this, is, of, the the this is the Buddhist the Hindus would be
0: more uh, a more explicit understanding of what we think of as reincarnation. Yeah, right?
1: they, they're like, "No, you're kind of just coming back in the spirit of." So you can see a, 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 a worm, and you can say that really reminds me of my aunt Susie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's the same
0: spirit. Oh yes, uh, we all know the spirit of Aunt Susie. Yeah. All right. So anyway, um so where we are now in the story, which by the way we don't believe in reincarnation. No, just, we don't. We I don't just it. I just want to make
1: sure that that, that just that's to clear. clarify.
0: Just to clarify. All right. So where we are now in Second Kings 5, Elijah is now ascended into heaven. Or asc- he, he's gone into heaven. He's been taken well, how up. How do we refer to that? Just he's taken up. Taken up. Okay. Because I, I, there's
1: no real, uh, there's no clean way to say it. We don't know what state he was taken in. The technical term because, is
0: taken up in a fiery chariot into the cloud.
1: Yes, because w- heaven wasn't opened. Oh, right. Good point. So
0: so he just kind of oh, yeah. did,
1: he just rode the chariot around just for a while. in circles. <laughs> oh, he did a man. nice spacewalk, dude.
0: <laughs> what is that called when a plane can't land and it has to keep circling around an airport? Um, it's called... Um, can't land. No, it's going to—it's called something, isn't it? Holding
1: we pattern. We have to holding pattern. No, we have to taxi. No, we
0: have to pretend that we're going to land. Is not there actually a term land. for this? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay. So anyway, Elijah is now gone up in his vehicle, <laughs> and, and it's on fire. And Alicia is now in his. Well, dude, the pirate like chair, it's a rocket ship.
1: Rocket ship. Dude, the aliens came and took him and launched him into
0: heaven. It was the first launch. And they shot him back for the transfiguration. They
1: did. It was so sweet. Here you go. Dude, they, they just again. beamed him. Their technology advanced <laughs> in in over those hundreds of years.
0: That's why Peter wanted to build a booth.
1: <laughs> That's right. Because they were, they were trying to communicate with
0: the aliens. All right. We got we to
1: gotta get back to business here. <laughs> uh, I'm right. sorry that I'm so, being so irreverent. No, it's good. It's good.
0: All right. So where we get the story. So I was looking at this yesterday. And we get the story of Naaman, who is uh, a big, powerful Samaritan guy. Okay. And he's going to be healed by Alicia. It's this great story. But I read it. And I was like, okay, that's kind of a neat story. But I, then I went back to the beginning of Chapter 5 and kind of figured out, okay, what's going, what's going on here? And – this is where I wish we actually got the whole story because the whole story is really, really fascinating. Um, so at the beginning of chapter five, what it says is this guy Naaman, Naaman was the commander of the king of the army of the king of Aram. Uh, Aram we don't hear much about. There was a there's another reference in First Kings about this battle that Assyria had with Aram back in the eight hundreds. By the way, this is somewhere near the B, the early eight hundreds time frame wise BC. BC. So the Northern Kingdom hasn't fallen yet, but it will soon. Okay. Okay. So uh, there's this guy. He's a very powerful military person. He's probably living in, in the region of Israel or okay. a, around it somewhere. Okay. And um, let's see. So he was a great, he was a great man. In the sight of his master he was highly regarded. Oh, and this is, I, I thought, interesting. It says he was a highly regarded man because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. And I just thought that was really, really fascinating because this is a pagan king. Or a pagan army. Some guy, he's not Israelite, he's not Jewish or anything else. But it actually says the Lord gave him victory over his enemies. Which, I read that, you know, the ancients always saw this as um, this reminder of the overall sovereignty of God. That, you know, even in the midst of all this stuff where we're kind of focusing on Israel, God is not just the God of Israel. God is the God of all. And here is this tiny little, just kind of almost you know, minute little reference point to, look, God actually is granting victory to whoever he chooses to because he's at work in the other nation. Because he drives history.
1: Yeah. Semini, I just found it fascinating, though. The Semine verbi, the seeds yeah. of the word, are exactly. present
0: in all cultures and all times preparing for Christ. Exactly. Exactly. It's really fascinating because it's just tucked in there. That's, the Lord gave him victory. That's awesome. Yeah. So, So there he is, and he has leprosy. So it's this great man who has a problem. He's a leper. That's bad. And it says in verse 2, Um, It it kind of backtracks and it says bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel Mm. and she served Naaman's wife. So here's this Israelite woman. There's probably minor skirmishes, even though there's no huge war right now. Yeah. You know, they're always battling over territory and borders and stuff. So this Israelite girl, which means a northern kingdom girl, has been taken uh, captive into Naaman's family. He serves she serves his wife. And I love the faith. This is another reminder for Elijah that he's not alone up there. There actually is faith in Israel because this this girl says, she says to her mistress, verse 3, if only my master would go and see the prophet who is in Samaria, he could cure him of his leprosy. Mm. And she's referring to Elisha. So first of all, there's this, this um, sign of faith from this girl. She still has faith. She recognizes that guy is from God. But the other thing is that not only does this girl realize that guy, that prophet over there is from God, yeah. but she's being so generous with the people who have taken her captive, that she actually wants to extend God's mercy and healing to her captive, or to her slave master, basically. Which it, it's all this whole story. I think is just remarkable. Dude, it busts me up, actually. Yeah. So if you just go to him, he's going to heal you. It's going to be good. So he went. He went. Uh, he went up to Israel, and it says before before I go to this this prophet, he decided to go to the king of Israel. And be like, hey, you know, here, pay homage a little bit you know, and find where this guy is. So he goes to the king of Israel, and he, he, says, he says, hey, I want to find this guy who I think can heal me of my leprosy. And the king of Israel flips out, and he tears <laughs> oh, no. his robes, oh, my and gosh. he says, am I God? Can I kill and bring back from the dead? Why do you send someone to me to be cured from your leprosy? I can't do that. And he thinks that this guy's trying to pick a fight. And actually says he's trying to pick a quarrel with me It's some other military leader. He's like, here, help me with my leprosy. If I can't do it, he's going to somehow spiritually use that against us and try to pick a war or something.
1: Oh, well, it's crazy so you, what, which kind of makes sense because he's saying where where's the prophet he, yeah. he, he doesn't think that he's supposed to heal him but he's like right.
0: oh man you're gonna like jack me up totally and, and this guy totally.
1: has has renown in war because he took this none known nation yes. and put the whoop
0: down yeah but what what's even deeper than that though is what you what you see so that's all true and that makes sense from kind of a geopolitical point of view you can you can get that thanks but thanks. here's no it does yeah, 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 yeah. but here's the thing what what the bible has just juxtaposed is this Israelite slave girl now who has this tremendous faith in God's healing ability, yet the king of Israel uh, is totally blind to it. Oh, So it shows you the sort of spiritual state of affairs. And again, you can kind of see where he's coming from, but he doesn't have the mind of God in this. Wow. Yeah, so it gets better. So um, Elisha then yeah. hears about this. He hears about it. He hears the rumors. Mm-hmm. And so instead of Naaman finding him, he finds Naaman. And he goes up to end his to Naaman's like, oh, great. There you are. I found you. He's like, what do I do? I need to be healed. You know, I believe that your God can do it. And he's like, dunk. He's like, he's let's go swimming. Well, he says, go and dunk yourself in the Jordan River seven, seven times. And do you remember Naaman's response? He's like, come on, dude. There's so much better rivers from where I'm <laughs> yeah. from. He's like, this, this, the Jordan? He's like, yeah. this sucks. He's like, this is stupid. He's like, if I'm just going to do it in a river, I've got better rivers up there. The Jordan is muddy and mucky and dirty. And I think I think what's going on here, I was trying to think about this, I think what's going on, Elisha is doing this because he wants to show and prove without the shadow beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is not Elisha who's going to be healing him. Because I think that's what this guy's expecting. He's expecting kind of a magician yeah. who can kind of, you know, wave his hand over him and will heal him. Yeah. And Elisha's like, no, that's not what God does. I'm just a messenger. It's yeah. not me who's gonna be healing you. So, go and do it in this filthy, mucky river. That's how you'll know that it's only through God that this is happening. Mm. And it ticks off Naaman, he gets mad and he kind of storms off. And uh, his people are like, hey, you know, um, maybe you should give this guy another chance, basically. They go up and they say, my father, if the prophet told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? If he told you to stand on your head, you know, on your hands and, and done this thing, you would have done it, you know, but you're not willing to go into the dirty river. Just give it a shot, basically. Exactly. And so he does, right? He goes and he washes himself and he is healed. And you see on this this miraculous moment. It's just a fascinating story because despite himself, despite his own doubts, he does it. And then he's like, Oh crap, this is this is it. Your God has done this. But look at what happens. So even if his intentions were off, which yes. they kind of are, his intentions are kind of selfish. But um Well but before before before, before this. Okay. See, it's seven times. I'm pointing. So um
1: so the seven times would he have understood the Hebrew context of sevens oneself, of, of the of the yeah. contextualization to say that um, that there's some sort of
0: covenanting taking place in the middle of this? I mean, even though that he's a pagan yes. from Aram. Oh yeah, yeah. Because remember, seven is not simply seven was not just an Israelite concept. I mean, in, in ling, it's a linguistic concept. To seven yourself is to be complete or to be totality. It's to enter into a covenant in anybody. So I think mm. the idea of seven as covenant was a little bit more universal than, than just – it's a Hebrew term. So you'd have to know Hebrew to get it. But if you knew Hebrew, then you're like, oh, that's a covenant. So, I mean, gosh, I mean the king of Israel could seven himself to the king of Aram, yes. right? And it's a, it's a political thing. It's a covenant. So there is the sense of covenant relationship. Basically, this guy understands if I go and do this, I'm swearing myself to this guy's God. And he's willing I'm to do it. Worshiped because yeah. he's because he's like, dude, yep. I, what else do I got to do? Yeah, and he's willing to do it. Yeah, and so then he, but he has this. So even if his intentions might be off, that simple act of humility, God accepts it, and He changes him, and he has this massive conversion. And um, Naaman says, "Oh, he wants to give. He wants to give Alicia an offering. You know, give him this money." And again, to Alicia's point, he's like, "No, I didn't do this. This is God's work. I don't need your money. I mean, this is." This is God doing this. And so what does he say instead? He said, okay, if you won't accept, please let me, your servant, have two mule loads of earth. (laughs) Isn't that funny? That's like, I love it. It's so (laughs) awesome. Do you know why he says that? Well, let me finish the line. Two mule loads of earth, for I will no longer offer holocaust or sacrifice to any other God except to the Lord. And that says Yahweh in the Hebrew. Do you know why he wants two mule loads? I don't. Earth? I mean, like, because it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I, I've been to Chimayo, so like, I've gotten. Where's that? It's
1: in New Mexico. They uh, have like sacred dirt. Is that where the of spi- the stairs? Uh, no, that's in Santa Fe. Oh, right. the sacred dirt is at a at a different place in Chimayo. Oh, it's, okay. a, it's in New Mexico. But um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. He probably wants to go and like worship on the dirt or something. Yeah. Offer
0: holocaust on it? Well, yeah, I, I asked this because I, I looked I looked into it and I just found it fascinating. So the ancient understanding was you could only offer sacrifice to a god in the land of that god. Ooh. So he knows he has to go back home. So he's like, well, I only want to sacrifice to this god. So as long as I take enough land back with me
1: <laughs> i basically
0: want to take israel back with me and two mule loads of earth and then i'll offer sacrifice there and i'll essentially be on the land dude, that's cool it is kind of cool but that's what he's up to but but it shows you how sincerely he wants to do this dude that's that's a great conversion it's a great story isn't it it really is we took a lot of time on it but it's still a really good story well i mean but we went through like the whole history
1: of israel we so. did
0: but it was worth it i think which is um, leads us into the Psalm ninety eight. Yeah, Psalm
1: ninety eight, which is a new song to the Lord.
0: Yes, but but what is he doing? What's the, what's the response? royal? the Lord has revealed to the nations His saving power, and what this is all about is um, it's not just about Israel. He's now revealing it to the nations, to this this foreigner in the land of Samaria, which is going to be the enemy of the Jewish people by the time of the Gospel, and and even the way that chapter five began through the Lord's hand, He granted to some other nation that you've never heard of. This victory. I love the idea of reading Act, you know, Second Kings chapter five, and somebody would be like, "The Lord worked His mighty hand through some nation. I've never heard of these people before. Who cares?" Yes. Well, somebody does because that actually is a people who existed and who God loved. Yes. And I just—that's what this psalm is all about. He's revealing to the nations His saving power. Which we have to remember that this is the twenty-eighth Sunday in Ordinary Time, mm-hmm. and
1: we're counting toward down towards the. Uh, the uh, uh, consummation of all of creation towards God, and so yeah. so as these readings are Christmas, happening, Christmas
0: that is, right? Uh, no, what are you saying? Christ the King. Oh, Christ the King. <laughs> well, all of creation is shifted at the incarnate. Okay, fine. So yeah, the end of the liturgical year is
1: in Christ the King.
0: Well, and then the beginning of the liturgical year is Advent. Yes, sir. All right, you're right. Fine.
1: So you're right. that's why we're counting down towards this moment. And so these right. readings are, are like right. Uh, right. Uh, saying all of a sudden we're in this moment where it's like right. as as a creation, as a salvation history gains steam, yeah, it's all about drawing in the nations. Yes, it's, exactly. It's about bringing in the uh, the uh, the folks— who yeah. are not uh, the covenant people who right. are intended to be the covenant people, the atheists and the weirdos, and not to say atheists or weirdos, I'm sorry. Well, atheists like, and the weirdos. And uh, the weirdos, yeah, yes. Yeah, for sure. Exactly.
0: So the new song. The new song is good. Is good. And that line there, for he has done wondrous deeds, his right hand or his right arm has won victory for him, his holy arm. There's a reference to that. I think Patrick Henry Irwin talks about that. There's a reference back um, in the Magnificat that Mary prays about this, talking oh, about yeah. the Lord's strong arm. What's the Magnificat all about? It's all about ironic reversals, flipping things on their head. In other words, pagan nations coming and flocking into the family of God. The the lowly being raised up, the mighty being brought down. You know, all yeah. of these things. So it, it reminds me of the Magnificat mm-hmm. in the way that Mary is basically what Mary's doing in the Magnificat is giving you a quick crash course in salvation history and what God has actually done for the nations over time, which was totally unexpected, which is just as unexpected as a little peasant girl being a virgin peasant girl about to bear the son of God to the world. It's all ironic reversals. Things are being flipped on their head. That's the point. But that's the Lord's saving power toward the nations. It's never yeah. quite you expect. Whew. That's how I read it, at least. Boy, it's good. It's good. It's good. Oh, right boy, now. it's good. <laughs> oh, woo. Yeah. So 2 Timothy. What's up, Timmy? Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's a little bit hard to connect this one in. I, we know a lot of the context of it. So I mentioned last week, Second Timothy, is a little bit unique among the pastoral epistles. First and Second Timothy and Titus. Um, in that Second Timothy appears to be the letter that Paul is writing to Timothy, basically on his deathbed. He's about to die. And you catch that, and you can see the letter moving on, Um, you know, remember Jesus Christ being raised from the dead as the son of David. Such is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of chains, like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained, therefore I will bear everything for the sake of of those who are chosen, so that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. In that line, therefore I bear everything for the sake of those who are chosen. In the New Testament reality, the chosen ones— are everyone are everyone it's the nations it's everybody. it's the unexpected. is the unexpected ones now yeah. and that line kind of jumped out at me so here's paul suffering to the point of death to make sure this is known um, well, and well and
1: i also see this actually like as i'm reading this one of the things that connects this in is is that there's a certain spirit and power and force of the prophetic tradition of israel that's present in him even oh, in, in this moment of just, Especially in this moment. And just this like resolute resolve that whatever is going to come his way is from the hand of God and, and accepting that and promoting that to those who are falling, like Elijah yep. and Alicia. Yep, yep. Yeah, totally.
0: Telephone, telephone. Oh, yes. Those were my favorite guys uh, in Sesame Street. Me, too. Those guys, they still bust me up what big time. Oh, they're so funny. What, are they called something? Yep. Yep 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 yep
1: yep yep you guys know about then
0: you're smiling right now and happy and you were raised in the 80s I guess we could um do
1: that as halloween costumes
0: perfect i'll put a little video link to them on our facebook okay perfect um it's time to gospel up gospel up luke 17 Guess what 17 is all about? It's about a Samaritan. Surprise,
1: surprise. Samaritan. Have we explained to them before about what a Samaritan is? I don't know, but let's do it again just in case. I'm going to explain to you what a Samaritan is. A Samaritan is. And I will
0: correct you and tell you the right answer. No, I'm just
1: kidding. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That hurt me. No, I know it did hurt you. I see it in your eyes. I'm sorry. I was just kidding. I'm going to go cry. No. Okay, Samaritans. Okay, so essentially what happens is that you have the divide of 10 and 2. Mm. You got the northern tribes and they've got the southern tribes, and this, the northern tribes end up getting pulled off into the nations. They scatter away and they start to intermarry with the Canaanite nations mm. and they lose their identity and they essentially become uh, what we would call half bloods. Uh, if you like Harry Potter they'd be mugbloods. Mug blood. Mug bo- you know, half magic, have magic, whatever. So the half uh, half chosen people, half Canaanite. And so they uh, and so they're they're partly they're they're partly um the people of God. They have some of that blood, but in fact that they're intermarried and lost and right. dispersed to the nation. So they're kind of like considered this really um like dirty side effect of the destruction of Israel.
0: Yes. That's,
1: now now correct me. Please. No,
0: you everything you said is 100% correct, but there's a level of it. That, so that that's all true and that's why they're kind of, you know, persona non grata with with the Jewish people, but it's not just that. Okay. That's all true, but if you think about how they got there, they went they were the northern kingdom only because they rejected the temple, they rejected worship. They basically turned their backs on their brothers and sisters in the south. That's how the Jewish people saw this. You have left the family. You walked away from the covenant. You've rejected us. And because of that, you were forced to intermarry. But if if you do read the story, it's back in – I think it's at the end of Second Kings. If you read the story, um, Assyria begins to try to force them to intermarry. But it, it, you almost get the impression that they were more than happy to oblige and to intermarry and to, and to kind of lose their identity in a certain sense. So those are the things that happen, but the Jewish people are, just have this deep family wound. Like, you rejected us. You walked away from us. And, like, mm. you're reaping your, you know, you're reaping the consequences now. And this is kind, what you get. Kind of like the prodigal son. Yes, yeah, kind of like the prodigal son. Isn't it interesting that Jesus told that? Mm. So that's it,
1: though. That's what they're doing. So so when you see that, you have a bunch of uh, lepers out of distance. Yeah. And How uh, many of them? Ten. Ten of them. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Yeah. And then go. I like this because we we see a super huge connection between uh, Alicia, I mean Elijah, and Jesus right here. He says, "Go do something normal. Go serve yourselves as a priest." It's like there's no hoodoo. There's right. no like. It's true. He's not he's not making like spit and mud and yes. He's just like okay, just go that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's true. Well, but I, it's just such a funny story. I mean, first of all, it says. They stood at a distance from him. Now, we don't really know anything about these lepers. We know that at least one of them is a Samaritan. We'll find out later, right? Yes. We don't know who the other ones are. Presumably, they're Jewish. Um, the reason I think presumably they're Jewish is because of that line, they stood at a distance from him. Why would they be standing at a distance from him?
1: Well, I mean, they were, they'd were. they have to declare themselves unclean as lepers because they were outside unclean. outside of the, the town.
0: I mean, leprosy. The, the idea of being unclean, the idea of being a leper— it would have been painful, you know, anything else. But but just the sheer, I mean, what that means is that you cannot interact with the community. You are always on the outside. You can never touch. You can never come into the sanctuary. You can't worship together. You are always out there. Well, that's why they're standing at a distance, because they know they can't come any closer, which is just, it's a painful reality.
1: Well, in, but that's
0: a Jewish law, which, uh, well, yeah, the, the Samaritans yeah, yeah. didn't follow it, which is why we think presumably most of these other ones are Jewish.
1: Which, isn't it in, in the Gospel of Mark where um, Jesus heals a leper and he tells them not to tell anybody? And yes. then they tell him and then Jesus can no longer openly <laughs> enter a town? Yeah. That he actually has to conceal himself yeah. because it's now... Being igno- flooded with lepers. He's supposed to actually go and, and do what the lepers would have said is remain outside and say unclean, unclean. Yes,
0: exactly right. It's a funny thing. I mean, well... Yeah, we, there's so many different ways we can go with this. I'm reminded of – she doesn't have leprosy, but I'm reminded of the woman who suffered from the hemorrhage for seven years, right? Mm-hmm. In the Gospel of Mark. Yes. Or is she in Matthew? She's in Matthew. Uh, uh, is Luke? Is she in oh, Luke? She's in John? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay, we hit them all. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think she's, she's in Luke. I'm pretty sure she's in Luke. But okay. um, that too, I mean, to have a flow of blood like that, she's declared unclean. By the way, unclean and clean, that whole thing – has nothing to do with, because with, um, people have a really hard time with that. Okay, why are people clean and why are people unclean? You know, just, just normal biological things that happen to women make you unclean. How can that be okay? You know, it had nothing to do with the moral status of a person, no. nothing whatsoever. No. You were declared unclean if there was something, uh, anything associated with death or the diminution of life made you unclean. Because, and I think the idea was, in the sanctuary, that was supposed to be the reminder of the Garden of Eden where there was no death. There was a point in history when God didn't intend death for his people. And so where there is now death, that is a sign of sinfulness just being in the world. It doesn't mean you're sinful, Mm -hmm. but it means the world is not what it's supposed to be. And it's a built-in reminder that things are not right. So if you had you know, flow of blood or leprosy or anything else. You know, you touched a dead fly. All of those things made you unclean. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, imagine that woman with the, with the hemorrhage for, what, seven years? Is that what we said? She could have no interaction with her family or community for all of those years. She is totally and 100% cut off, which I just find, I mean, that's a heartbreaking reality. Now, what we know about the way clean and unclean works, and this is what's going on here. If someone was unclean and they touched you, what happens to you? You become unclean, right? Do you see what Jesus does, though? He takes the whole principle and he flips it on its head, Where so that if not they when they touch him,
1: they become they clean. become
0: clean. He which, reverses the direction, which is
1: every time I think of the baptism of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think of he doesn't get baptized to become clean; he gets baptized to become a sin sponge.
0: Yeah, to he, cleanse, to
1: make the water something that can be exactly, and and by touching the water, he touches the entirety of the earth. Yes everything Absolutely. that lives and breathes is touched by that water by and he water. touches it yes that's it at the depths of the earth
0: and it but it is funny i i didn't see that connection to alicia here that that he just kind of has them go off presumably they walk off they're not healed yet you know you get the sense somehow it happens along the way yeah but he is i didn't i didn't connect that until you just told me that but yeah, he said, go do something normal. Just go and show yourselves to the priests, which is what they were supposed to do. But by the time they got... I mean, you can imagine being them by the time they got there. They're like, oh, oh, hey. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> well, as they're walking along,
1: they're, they're kind of like, okay. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see the disappointment. Here's this great guy. Yeah, You're like, oh, yeah, and, totally. and everybody's hearing about him like healing the the stuff and they're walking along and they're like, okay, I guess we'll try it. Right. And But it's in the act of the will. It's the turning of the will towards in faith towards God because yes. Jesus is always saying... Your faith has healed you. Yeah. Your faith has healed you. So they had faith as they were walking, and then right. they're like bam! Yeah. I mean, I bet you those dudes were like, "Oh my goodness!" So they were like jumping up and down. They were flapping five. They
0: were like, but doing that's the cartwheels. But that's the point. In their excitement, they take off. They're happy. They're thrilled. I mean, think because, about it because they are reintegrated into the community. But think about it. I mean, go into the first reading for a they second. Can go see their loved ones. Yeah, they can do whatever they want to. because yeah, they're integrated now. But if you go into the first reading, I mean, think about Na. I- I'm thinking about Naaman. Naman. Yes, Naaman. And if uh, I'm we Naaman, have to, we have to use the proper Naaman. Is uh, Oh, That was a pretty good, good one. That was Come good. on. Um, Naaman Naaman, who has some faith in God, right? But he's he's kind of seems to be doing this for selfish motives. He just wants to be healed. Yeah. He goes off to the Jordan, does what Alicia said, and he's healed. He has no real. I mean. On a human level, there's really nothing that should totally compel him to go back. He doesn't have to. He can just go on his way. He's a very powerful man. Go back to work. Go back to business. But he humbles himself totally to go back to this Elisha, which he just didn't have to do, really. And it's ironic, then, that in the story of Jesus, the only one that comes back, the only one. And Jesus doesn't tell them to come back, does he? No, He doesn't, he just no, says, Go no, show yourselves just... to the priest. There's no imperative necessarily. Which, by the way, I have to say, like,
1: he's uh, I, Jesus, he knows how to, how to strategize and start a fight. <laughs> oh, yeah, he sends 10, 10 lepers, one of them who's a Samaritan, to the priest and say, Look at the healing. No. And, like, and, and, <laughs> and so, like, dude, that's like that's bold. Oh, yeah, because then they're
0: like, Dude, he's healing people who are outside of the covenant people. Yes, absolutely. What are you doing? What are you doing? But that's where it's so profound that the only one who comes back is even more so the one who really had no imperative to come back. Mm-hmm. But it's his faith then that saves him. And it's it's this, it's this him and Naaman. They're in the same boat in a lot of ways. It's these people that they didn't really know. They hadn't learned these things. He didn't even really have to go to the priest. He was a Samaritan for Pete's sake. Yeah, He didn't have to do any of these things, but he does. And in humility, he comes back and he... he submits himself to Jesus. It's just, yeah, it's really powerful. And this is the new song. I mean, yeah. this, this is the thing is that, is that. Which the, rhymes with the old song. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. No, I mean like me, yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah, old. Yeah. I'm not trying to be cute. Yeah, 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 I thought you were. I I was like. Well, I am, but in a serious way. Okay.
1: That was, that was seriously cute. Okay. <laughs> uh, but like, this is the thing is that, uh, you look around at all of the great religions that are going on at the time. Yeah. And this is a totally way more complex existential reality that is like so present to this day. I mean, that's the thing is that as Christians, this stuff is, is real. Yeah. And, um, and I was trying to understand why 10 and why the nine and 10 and, and I couldn't get there. I I don't, I like, and so this is a a question that I want to pose to you out there. Like, how do we understand this? Um, see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to incorporate the multimedia experience. I
0: might be, I might be taking this too far, Okay. but I I hear 10. I'm thinking about the first reading. I'm thinking about the Northern Kingdom. I'm seeing 10 tribes who sort of cut themselves off from the life of oh, the Jewish world. Oh, These are 10 people who are cut off through their leprosy from the life of the community. Oh, there is a connection there. So
1: it's a covenantal expression of the reincorporation of the 10. Maybe. Because that's the whole thing. That's the Christ. whole point. Like that, that's Jesus' work. Is he's actually trying to say... Um, all of Israel. I'm going to reconstitute Israel. I'm yes. going to bring all of Israel back. Yeah. But the but they've become intermarried. They're dispersed. So the only way to actually bring all the tribes back is to gather the whole. Everybody world. else as well. Yep. And so so in some ways, this is also a judgment on the other nine tribes at, yeah. at the same moment. Saying, "Are you going to come back too?" Totally. Yeah, because, because there's actually space for them to come back. Yeah. Well, actually, not in this particular moment. But as you're reading that in the new right. in the new covenant in the New Testament. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude,
0: this is a – man, this has been rich. This is good. This is why I was so excited this morning.
1: Yeah, no kidding, man. You got That was some good dance moves you, mm, you yeah. had.
0: All right, we got to wrap it up. So thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week as always. Um, tell your friends and um, uh, make sure that you are
1: uh, connecting on social media to mm. good and happy things that yes. um, fulfill your life, such as scripture. Mm tradition and lanky people and lanky meerkats. lanky
0: meerkats all right everybody we will see you next week don't fake the phone ta-ta the word on the hill is a production of the aquinas institute for catholic thought here in beautiful boulder colorado www.thomascenter.org you can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org see you next week